Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mansers Podcast. On this episode, I want to take a few moments uh, here up front to talk a little bit about the culture and how that may be affecting your particular relationship. Because even though we talk about how to improve your relationship, both in and out of the bedroom, we don't spend that much time taking a look at how society you know, is going through and, you know, putting pressure and undue influence or expectations on your relationship. Or, you know, in the case of, you know, the political culture is trying to inject toxicity into your relationship. You know, and so let's not, you know, sugarcoat anything here. There was a time when there was a lot of discrimination that went on uh, in the culture, you know, both sexism and racism. But those days have actually long passed, right? Those are things that are not going on, you know, uh, you know, except for in rare instances, uh, in society and in the workforce. But there is a side of politics that even, you know, if you've become, you know, more of a privileged class, you still go on and talk about, you know, things in the past in order to try and claim that you are in a victimhood status. And what has happened is people have figured out here that, you know, instead of having to go out and become high achievers, there's more of a just whining about everything and then claiming to be a victim that, If life isn't handed to you on a silver platter without any effort, you are somehow being victimized. And the reason for this is because people have, you know, developed a culture, especially in certain areas, whereby claiming to be a victim, regardless of whether or not you actually are a victim, is how you get your way. It's, you know, a replacement for hard work and effort. and we see this, you know, culture-wise, but we can see how that can seep in uh, to your relationship, you know, to your marriage, and how that can create a lot of toxicity in your relationship. So, for instance, if you have one spouse that, you know, has figured out that, you know, if they just whine uh, a lot and claim to be a victim, whether it's because of their skin color, the genitalia, or, you know, depending on your type of relationship, maybe your sexual orientation or gender identity as it's now been developed. I mean, gender, gentle, um, gender identity. Ah, sorry about that. You know, that, that is something that has creeped up, you know, as people try to figure out new ways to become victims in order to lower the bar of achievement for them. You know, you you don't get to pick your gender. It's determined at the moment of conception, you know, by did you get XX chromosomes or XY chromosomes, right? But in any event, you know, once people go out there, though, and realize that claiming to be a victim and whining about being a victim anytime they don't get everything handed to them or don't get their way, well, If that's your practice, you know, if that's something that you do a lot, it's easy to bring that back into your marriage, into your relationship, in order to try and manipulate your partner into 
getting what you want. You know, if you're in interracial marriage, you know, you'll claim that you're, you know, that because of your skin color or whatever, that maybe your spouse still harbors some secret racism, you know, or is not being racially sensitive about something in order to try and emotionally manipulate them into getting your way. Or, you know, in some cases, if it's a gender issue, you know, going through and saying, oh, you don't, you know, respect me because I'm a woman, or you don't respect me because, um, or you won't let me do this because I'm a woman. You don't believe in me because I'm a woman, or, you know, or am I, you know, some skin colored, uh, woman, or, you know, something like that. And men, you know, may try and do the same thing. You know, it's a situation where if what you have learned and what you have developed is the idea that, you know, if you just complain and complain and complain and keep claiming to be a victim, people will just cave in and let you get your way. You know, that is a very toxic situation. And when you start doing that, I mean, at first, it may be because, you know, you think, hey, this is cool. I'm able to manipulate people to get my way. But eventually that stops pretending and becomes who you are. And then as the other partner in the relationship is tired of being manipulated emotionally, tired of constantly being accused of horrible, hateful things, you know, and tired of being made to feel like such a horrible person, you know, for wanting, you know, an equal relationship and not being made to feel like complete crap if they don't agree with, say, hey, no, we shouldn't spend, a, you know, all of our savings down to zero just so you can get a brand new car. Or maybe we shouldn't, you know, you know spend you know, recklessly and throw our financial future into chaos just because you, you know, want to take that trip, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the case is. And if your partner is constantly being told that they're such a horrible person because they won't let you just do whatever you want in the relationship, have total control and, you know, dominate, you know, over the other. Yeah, eventually, you know, your spouse, your partner is just going to give up and say, to hell with this. You think I'm a horrible person? Then fine. I'm done. I'm out of here. Hopefully you'll be able to find somebody else. But the problem is the person, you know, then realizes that they can't find anybody else because they've become a toxic person. And the only other person that they will attract is another toxic person and they will live unhappily ever after. You know, another thing is people feel like, you know, in the culture that everyone's expected to play into their delusions, right? If you are delusional about some aspect of your life, you know, and it's obviously delusional, but yet you expect the other person to play into it, you know, that creates a problem because people tend to not want, you know, to have to play make-believe all the time, you know, as they go through life. You know, I mean, it's one thing, you know, in, you know, a therapeutic environment on a temporary, on a temporary basis, 
you know, maybe as a way of getting through to someone in an insane asylum. But in your relationship, you know, it it, it is not going to go well. And, you know, for instance, I was watching uh, a video here uh, from The Guardian. And they were talking about how people are getting these uh, dolls. And these dolls are, you know, being created to look as lifelike and as real as possible. And these women out there that are treating them, these inanimate objects, these dolls, as if they were real babies, going through and giving them their own nursery, including a changing table. A changing table for a doll? Are you serious? What what do you expect? A dirty diaper? You know? But And then they go through and they get strollers and then they take their dolls for walks and they take them to the store to buy outfits and, you know, and this seems like, you know, you would be talking about little girls here, you know, in the traditional sense, you know, doing this, you know, you're five, six, seven-year-old girls. And yes, I get it, girls. You know, young girls do play with dolls, you know, in society, you know, for whatever reason. You know, dolls have become popular with girls, which, you know, from, you know, a a sociological, you know, study is very interesting how, you know, even at such a young age, girls have such a mothering instinct. But in any event, these are grown women, women in their 30s. You know, and even in their 40s doing this. And they're treating these dolls as if they are, you know, real babies going through and, you know, taking them shopping and having other people pretend like the babies are, are that these dolls are real babies. And, you know, they're calling themselves mothers, you know, for those that don't have any actual kids of their own. They say they're the mother of this doll. Now, look. If you can't have kids uh, for any particular reason, do what normal people do. Get a fur baby, you know, a cat, a dog, or whatever other pet. Do not get uh, a plastic toy and call that your baby, right? That is not, you know, normal for grown-ass people, right? It is completely insane, you know, and people cannot, you know, be in a relationship where one person is living in their own fantasy delusion. And it was after taking a look at this that I finally understand that commercial for, you know, a new series on Apple TV, you know, whereby this woman got a doll in order to deal with the loss or miscarriage of a child. Okay, you know, this is where it started off as saying, hey, this is therapeutic. But then, you know, she actually deludes herself into thinking that that doll is a real baby and goes through and treats it completely like it's a real baby and, you know, all of that. And the husband starts getting very nervous and concerned about it. And you should be concerned if people are, in fact, delusional. But it's this whole mentality in the culture to always claim to be a victim. And always stating that if you don't get your way, that you are being victimized. You know, it's hard to turn that off. Who you pretend to be eventually becomes who you are. And that becomes you full time in your relationship. 
then any relationship has a threshold, a limit to how much toxicity another person can bring in nonstop without any type of a break. And going through and trying to dominate over your partner through, especially through whining, complaining, and pretending to be a victim of everything, you know, is a surefire way to kill that relationship. It's also a surefire way to kill any sexual desire in that relationship from your partner. Right? So we got to start, you know, taking a look at ways in which we can start safeguarding ourselves from the toxicity of the culture seeping in to our relationship and killing our relationship. And so I will start, you know, over the coming weeks, you know, taking a look at specific examples of things that are going on and then going through and giving you, you know, helpful tips and all of that on how to safeguard your relationship from it. And, you know, it's not just political, you know, people, you know, that are, you know, doing this. It's becoming the entire entertainment industry. You know, Taylor Swift comes out with a video where she just goes through, you know, the most negative stereotypes of men and claim that, you know, being a a complete selfish, self-centered jerk that is just completely rude to everybody is the typical man and how, and that society rewards that. I mean, could you think, uh, if you, especially if you're, you know, a younger, you know, woman in today's society, and you see, you know, constantly, you know, song after song, movie after movie, TV series after TV series, you know, uh, reinforcing this negative stereotype of men as being brash, sexist, you know, uh, jerks. And that society rewards that. What's going to be your attitude in your relationship? What's going to be the attitude for your life? in normal human interaction if you're expecting that the only reason why you're not getting your way all the time the only reason why things aren't being handed to you is because the other person is some toxic man who is you know a a complete self-centered jerk and you know treats other people like shit and therefore you're being victimized i mean what type of relationship are you going to have If you just see your partner as a horrible person, you know, and and you start becoming resentful that in order to be sexually gratified, to have children, to raise a family, you know, you have to be with someone that you think is part of the problem with society, right? It's not going to develop a healthy relationship. You know, so we need to safeguard ourselves from the toxicity of the culture. Okay, so recently I've been watching a TV series on Hulu. You know, it's a show that's already ran its course. All the episodes have all been, you know, made and produced and, you know, no more. And it's really targeted towards guys, you know, a real man show. You know, and it's based off of the movie franchise, Lethal Weapon. 
But one of the episodes I recently watched got me thinking a little bit here about intimacy, you know, from guys and how guys, you know, change, you know, uh, and social interaction and all that before and after marriage. And it was an episode where, you know, um, Murtaugh, who is married, his wife was out of town, you know, uh, with the kids, and he was looking forward to having the house to himself and being able to get together with the guys. Now, of course, you know, being a police officer, things would come up, you know, you still have to get up, go to work and all of that. And throughout the show, he was trying to get together with, you know, all of his friends, you know, for a guy's night. But, you know, the other guys, you know, they, you know, would end up canceling because, you know, they couldn't get away uh, from their wives who had, you know, a lot of activities planned, a lot of, you know, um, you know, a date night or, you know, uh, going out, you know, to, you know, some event, you know, uh, with the family and so on and so forth. And it kind of got me thinking about, you know, guys and how we treat intimacy before and after marriage and maybe some of the reasons why we go through that change. See, you know, intimacy outside of the bedroom, of course, is, you know, maybe typically according to society, something that women put a little more emphasis on. And when guys, you know, are younger or before marriage, guys will engage in intimacy outside of the bedroom at a much greater frequency and able to, you know, put a whole lot of focus on you. But after marriage, you know, that intimacy outside the bedroom, you know, and when we talk about intimacy, we're not talking about sex. We're talking about, you know, the snuggling, the cuddling, the holding hands and all of that stuff, right? And, you know, before marriage, that is a lot easier for guys to engage in than it is after marriage. And, you know, women may be thinking, oh, the relationship is dying. I just don't feel the romance anymore. But you got to take a look at how things are different you know, before marriage and after marriage. Before marriage, you generally have separate housing, you know, and not only do you have separate housing, but you'll go and have, you know, days where you don't even see each other. You have time apart, which means that you each have time to engage uh, more in, you know, you time, you know, to just go hang out with, you know, some friends, you know, for guys, go out, burn off a lot of energy, you know, competition and sports or, you know, playing cards or, you know, something, right? Men have, you know, some alone time, you know, some time to, you know, get things out of their system. And, you know, that time apart, you know, means that they're not on or expected to be on all the time in the realm of intimacy, you know, and then when they are around you, you know, it is, you know, a planned event, you know, a plan of just being together, doing something together, you know, that is you time. But after marriage, you know, of course, you're living together, 
You see each other every day. You see each other for hours on end. You never really have a break. And so, you know, it, it's not as thought, you know, um, you know, provoking or not thought provoking, but it's not as, you know, obvious, you know, in each moment of every day, you know, uh, that intimacy, you know, is needed. Because it's just another day. You're always around. They figure, you know, you know, because of marriage that, you know, he loves you. You know, he just doesn't, you know, um, isn't as consciously aware, you know, of the need for intimacy after marriage because every day is the same. You know, you're always waking up together. Yeah, you go off to work. You come home. And, you know, you're always, you know, there together. And, you know, he's trying to figure out how to get some, you know, him time or time with, of just him and his friends. And you, you know, uh, typically, you know, women, you like to be very social. You like to be very active on, um, active in, communicating with each other or, you know, spending, you know, a lot of time together, right? Now, you generally still get a lot of, you know, uh, time uh, with your friends, you know, uh, girls being a little more, you know, social and being able to just sit down and just talk and talk and share, you know, things. But for guys, as we get older, you know, our circle of friends shrink. And it's hard to get together with, you know, our friends because, you know, their wives are always planning stuff, you know, always planning family activities, always planning, you know, uh, trying to do date nights and work on their relationships as well. And, you know, so guys, you know, we generally don't get a lot of, you know, me time and a lot of or a lot of time just hanging out with our friends it gets, you know, kind of harder. And so, you know, we get this feeling like, you know, we never get to really do anything we want or we enjoy, you know, and, you know, because of that, we're always looking for ways to try and get that time, you know, trying to start a hobby, trying to start, you know, uh, some type of distraction, something that we find relaxing and enjoyable. And chances are we're always getting interrupted, especially after kids. I mean, that's just the way life is. You know, but when we take a look at it, you know, because of the fact that, you know, there's never really any kind of a break, you know, it, it is hard to, you know, go around and think about intimacy you know, all the time outside of the bedroom, you know, and it's easy to think that, okay, yes, we're being intimate just because we gave you a three second hug, you know, or whatever. But, you know, you got to be aware that these changes, you know, uh, do go on with a guy's life. A guy becomes increasingly isolated and it gets harder and harder as guys get older to make new friends. You know, and so with that, I mean, there's no real easy solution, you know, uh, as far as, you know, what you can do uh, for men other than, 
you know, plan on taking some trips here and there, you know, plan, you know, probably, you know, once a quarter of letting your, you know, man, you know, at least once a quarter of letting the guy in your life being able to get the house to himself, you know, take the kids away for a weekend. And, you know, maybe in return, he can do the same where, you know, every quarter, you know, which is once every three months, maybe he'll go through and take the kids away for the weekend so that you can get some time alone. But, you know, he'll need to go through and try and plan or coordinate that you know, uh, with his friends, and it, it it is helpful if you yourself are friends with his friend's spouse, you know, and that maybe you can plan on, you know, doing kind of like a girl's night out while the guys are having just a guy's night, you know, um, he is just going to need that time to be able to just sit back, relax, you know, have a day, have a weekend every so often. Now, for you guys, though, you do need to put more thought into intimacy. And I know, I know, I'm very much guilty of this myself. You know, seeing, you know, her every single day, it's become so normal. It's not like, you know, we've spent, you know, uh, a day or two apart and now, you know, we're doing our relationship time. You know, there is no clear separation, you know, of you time and we time. You know, but you do need to put a little more thought into this because I'm going to give you a hint, guys. If you focus a little bit more on intimacy and provide her some of that, you know, security and emotional uh, support that she is looking for in the relationship, she's going to go through and allow you to have a little more you time, right? But if all she sees is you trying to get away, you trying to escape, you trying to, you know, hide from the rest of the family, that creates insecurities in her that, you know, the relationship is dying and she's going to want to be hovering and injecting herself back into everything that you do because she has an emotional insecurity and she's looking for that security. So, you know, by going through and, you know, from the guy's perspective, engaging a little more in intimacy outside of the bedroom and providing that emotional uh, assurances, you can get a little more you time. Now, some of the things uh, that me and my wife do, other than, you know, uh, going through and hugging a lot, you know, just standing, you know, whether that's in the kitchen, the living room or whatever, just standing there for like a minute or two, just kind of, you know, hugging each other as we make sure to still do cat calls to each other, you know, you know, uh, calling each other sexy and, you know, uh, little uh, pet names and grabbing each other's butts all the time and, you know, kind of doing sexual innuendos and teases, even though we know that, you know, there's no way we're going to be able to that day because, you know, we got so much going on that, you know, by the time we get uh, the kids to bed and all that, we're going to be completely and totally exhausted. But, 
you know, while it may be typical that, you know, guys, you know, have a hard time understanding that, you know, our hard time not understanding, but rather hard time, you know, putting intimacy at the forefront of their mind because you're always there. If you put a little thought into it, you can pull it off. You can provide her what she needs so that you can get more of what you need. And it doesn't have to be, you know, spending, you know, an hour or two hours or three hours a day. It can simply just be, you know, uh, 15 minutes out of your day. And so in order to adjust your mindset on this, one of the things that you should do is, you know, start off by putting a daily reminder, you know, on your phone uh, for a time when you uh, are both going to be there and, you know, uh, just put a daily reminder uh, to, you know, give her a hug and, you know, maybe rub her shoulders uh, for a bit of a shoulder massage, you know, give her a compliment, you know, and maybe do some playful touching. You know, at first, you know, it, you have to, you know, like any other habit, you know, you have to set reminders and be very intentional about it. But after a while, it just becomes, you know, very natural. And especially if you see the results that of providing her, you know, 15 minutes out of your day to give her the emotional support and security that she needs means that you get to, you know, have, you know, the time that you need to yourself or, you know, with your friends. Well, it's easy when you see the results for that habit to become, you know, all natural and just a part of your regular daily life. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, some big spectacular event. You know, a little can go a long ways here. You know, it, it can, you know, because let's take a look at, let's say you got 15 minutes every single day where you provide her, you know, some emotional intimacy and security. Well, you know, 15 minutes, you know, every day, you know, versus when you were single, you know, maybe doing a couple hours every, you know, three days. There's not that whole lot of a difference there, except for it's not taking up so much at one time. So, you know, think about it like this, guys. To a woman, intimacy and romance is the same thing. And I get that we think romance is what you do when you're courting and in the dating relationship in order to, you know, um, get and keep a relationship to marriage and intimacy is the bedroom. But for a woman, everything's connected. Intimacy and romance are one and the same thing. She just wants to feel, you know, desired, loved, and emotionally secure in the relationship. And so just provide that. And guess what? In return, you know, you'll be able to get some time alone to, you know, do your hobbies that you do when you need to process something, you know, a problem or something going on in your life, or you just want to sit back 
and relax. You know, maybe you have a room uh, in the house uh, that you can go to and where you just sit and play a video game or, you know, watch a movie or, you know, something, you know, whatever it is that you do to unwind. You know, and then make sure that you plan time for her to be able to unwind as well. I mean, if you get some new time, you know, where you get, you know, peace and quiet, be alone with your thoughts or, you know, just go to your empty box and enjoy mindless entertainment, she needs time to also process things as well. And so, you know, there's always going to be this give and take always going to be this give and take and you know the more you provide her what she needs the more she's going to allow you to do what you need and intimacy is not a, you know a huge event it's not always going to lead to sex that's going to take you know time out and in the next episode we're we're going to be talking about uh you know the sad state of uh, some people's sex lives but it's not a huge thing, right? It's just letting her know that you still find her beautiful, attractive, and you still love her. It doesn't take a whole lot to do that. And you'll have a much better, happier relationship giving her little daily reminders. Now, speaking of intimacy, one of the great things uh, for intimacy is oral sex. Oral sex is something that can be very, very pleasurable, very exciting. Now, for guys, it gives us that rare moment where we just get to lay back, do nothing, and just enjoy. Now, for some of you women out there, you know, laying back and just, you know, enjoying is a pretty normal occurrence, but it still provides a lot of pleasure as it provides more direct and constant stimulation. Uh, to your clit, as well as, you know, if the guy does other things, you know, such as, you know, rubbing your nipples uh, while he's eating you out and, you know, maybe with the other hand, having the finger in there playing with your G spot. I mean, it can be, you know, quite explosive, um, you know, pleasure wise, you know, but there are some tips here, you know, for making oral sex, you know, as great as it can be. Because one of the benefits of oral sex is it helps to close that gap between how long a guy, you know, or how fast a guy could get off and how long it takes for a woman to, you know, build up to an orgasm. And oral sex is a great way to, you know, be able to go through and close that gap. Now, of course, the first thing that you will do um, and you only need to do this, you know, the first, you know, couple of times, maybe after that, being with the same consistent partner, you know, tends to, you know, be able to skip, you know, step one just because they get to know you so well. And that is to have a conversation the first time that you're really going through and having oral sex, you know, to talk about you know, what you like, what you dislike, and you should be having, you know, these conversations until you get to the point where as he tries things and experiments, he is able to figure out all the things that he does that you don't like. So he can only 
you know, focus on the things uh, that you do like, you know, and this is also good uh, when, you know, just having sex as well. I mean, when you're with a new partner, you know, and, or maybe you've been with a partner uh, for quite some time, but you never had a discussion about the things that you didn't like, you know, and so he's going off and he's experimenting, he's trying new things out uh, while he's down there, just trying to gauge your reaction. You know, and, you know, if you don't say anything, he's going to go to something he thinks is his go-to move because, well, it feels really good for him, but you might not like it. So you need to have uh, a discussion, you know, uh, periodically until you get to the point where, you know, at, where he's tried just about everything that he can think of and you've ruled out all the stuff that you dislike. And same thing, uh, you know, with guys and women, you have to be open to letting the guy talk about this. You know, you know, when you're down giving a blow job, you know, sometimes you experiment, uh, with things like, you know, um, some of you uh, may lightly use your teeth. You know, some guys may like that. Some guys may not. You know, um, some of you, uh, when you go through and you, you know, are giving a blowjob, you're like a Hoover. All right. And so, you know, some guys, they will like that. Some guys, you know, are going to go off and go, man, you're sucking my dick off, you know, and it hurts. So having this conversation back and forth and having your partner open to having that feedback and being able to have a discussion of, Hey, I really like it when you do this, but not so much when you do that, right? So I have that discussion because you always want to be able to, you know, make sure that sex is only going through and doing the things that you like. Now, for women, you know, it, it is kind of difficult because as you go through the difference, um, you know, throughout your cycle, what you like and what you dislike changes because how sensitive you are down there changes. You know, for instance, there are things that you may really like and enjoy when you're ovulating, but when you're not ovulating, you really hate it. All right. So, you know, being able to go through and have that high degree of communication with the man in your life and so that you know, it's not only talking about what you like and dislike, but also talk about, you know, where you're at, you know, in your cycle, you know, so that he can understand that, okay, during this part of your cycle, you like this, but during this part of your cycle, you really don't like this. And so you need to be able to get to that high degree of communication when you're starting off. And then as time goes on and you have experience, you know, it just all falls into place. Another thing is, you know, regardless of whether you're having penetration or oral sex, never be ashamed of inexperience. You know, maybe, you know, as part of spicing things up, you're adding oral sex into your repertoire. You know, whereas before, you know, you didn't do oral sex because, you know, maybe you had something against it. You know, maybe you just never could bring yourself uh, to giving a blowjob because you were really turned off or frightened or, you know, unsure of the whole idea of, 
you know, the finish of him, you know, ejaculating and blowing his load inside of your mouth. And because of that, you could never bring yourself to give a blowjob. And now, you know, you're trying to spice things up, add a little more excitement into the bedroom. And so now you're starting to go through to give a blowjob. Now, whether, you know, you're just becoming sexually active and giving a blowjob or you're been sexually active for a while, but oral sex has been something that you haven't done, you know, do not be ashamed of an experience. You know, just like, you know, you shouldn't have felt any shame of, you know, being naked uh, for your first time when you lost your virginity or being, you know, inexperienced, uh, you know, during your first, you know, maiden voyage, you know, um, and guys, you know, you shouldn't, you know, be ashamed either. You know, guys, you know, they try to act like they know everything, right? And so, you know, even a, a guy who's having sex for the first time will try to, you know, dominate and take the lead, you know, thinking that he knows what he's doing, and that can lead to some uh, disaster stories. But guys do not, you know, know right off the bat the best way to eat a girl out, you know. He has to learn uh, through experience. And so, you know, people want to, you know, go through and beat themselves up a lot about being inexperienced and not knowing what they're doing or making a mistake. You know, don't be, you know. Just realize that, you know, Practice makes perfect. And so, you know, you got to start somewhere. And if you're just going to be beating yourself up about, you know, oh, I'm so ashamed because I'm inexperienced. And so I don't know what I'm doing. Stop beating yourself up. Just dive right on in, experiment and, you know, communicate uh, with each other about it. All right. Now, start slow, right? So one of the things that the guys uh, may try and do here, you know, when starting off with oral sex is they think, okay, you know, I know that she gets most of her pleasurable experiences from stimulation to the clit. So I'm just going to dive right in and go full throttle on that clit, right? Or, you know, women, because maybe, you know, you're... You know, knowledge of giving a blowjob comes from watching porn, you know, for demonstrative purposes. And you think, okay, I just need to grab it and just go to town sucking hard, you know, and fast. No, 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 no. You know, you want to start off nice and slow. You know, so for guys, you know, if you want some, you know, hints uh, from my experience, and this is just one guy's experience uh, with, you know, his wife. But, you know, starting off, you know, through indirect touch, you know, kissing on the inner thigh and, you know, getting some tongue, you know, that goes right up close to where uh, the vaginal uh, lips, you know, begin, but not quite touching it. And then, you know, backing up, uh, you know, a few you know centimeters away and blowing some hot air while you go to the other side on the other thigh, and then you kind of start on the outside, you know, of the vagina, you know, going around both sides and going around the outside and then slowly working your way in and avoiding the clit, you know, for the first, you know, 
several minutes and then when you get up to the clit, you know, you, you know, just lightly and slowly and trying different patterns. And then as she, you know, uh, definitely, you know, communicates, you know, that the pleasure is building, then start going faster and faster and faster. And while you're doing that, you got to realize, you know, nerves endings. I mean, the clit is connected to a lot of things. You know, so when you're playing with, you know, her nipples while you're eating her out, well, the nerve endings, you know, for the nipples connect to the nerve endings for the clit. So it provides that extra stimulation and get one and then take your other hand and massage the G spot while you're going to town on the clit and one hand, you know, uh, playing with her nipples and all of that, you know, you just kind of build that up slowly. And, you know, when that, when, when you do, she's going to end up having a pretty massive orgasm from oral sex. Now, for women, you know, um, you know, the kissing of the inner thighs and all of that, you know, you, you know, I mean, you can, you know, it's kind of a nice tease, but, you know, it, it doesn't really deliver pleasure other than, you know, saying, hey, yes, you're getting closer, you're getting closer. No, no, I mean, you just kind of start off, you know, with your hands kind of rubbing it, you know, a little bit and, you know, kind of, you know, working with your hands and then you get in there, you know, with a little bit of tongue around the base and getting up and maybe a tongue around the head of, you know, of his cock and then, Start slowly taking it into your mouth and, you know, and then slowly getting more and going deeper and deeper, you know, uh, doing that, you know, and then as you go through, you know, start picking up, you know, a little bit, you know, of the pace, start increasing, you know, uh, the suction and, you know, so you, you just kind of start off slow and then work your way up to going faster and faster. All right. Now, of course, while you're doing this, you should be paying attention to your partner for nonverbal cues. You know, are they moving ever so slightly? Are their hands reaching down, you know, for you? You know, how is their breathing? You know, pay attention to that. And as, you know, their nonverbal cues start building up more and more, you know, that it's delivering more and more pleasure, that's when you know that, you know, it's time to start, you know, picking up the pace or, you know, working on, you know, delivering more pleasure at a faster pace. You know, and of course, you know, throughout oral sex, you know, you don't just stick only to your mouth, right? You pick up, you know, both your hands and mouth you know, because you're trying to deliver as much, you know, uh, pleasure and stimulation, you know, uh, to as much of the area at once. The more stimulation to the more pleasure areas, the more explosive and satisfying the orgasm is going to be. Now, remember, moisture is your friend when it comes to oral sex. You know, uh, for some of you, uh, this isn't, you know, uh, a problem. You know, I know, um, when it comes to oral sex that 
know, my wife produces enough natural lubrication, you know, uh, from all the pleasure uh, that she uh, receives. You know, but, you know, if some of you, you know, suffer from vaginal dryness, there is flavored lube, which is, you know, provides, you know, moisture and wetness to help increase the sensitivity and the good feelings while providing, you know, for, you know, a nice flavor. So it's designed to be used during oral sex. You know, therefore it is safe. You know, and, you know, and, you know, also if the guy has, you know, a hang up, you know, maybe he doesn't like the, you know, the taste. You know, and there are guys uh, out there that don't like uh, the, you know, uh, taste of, you know, of a woman's vagina. You know, now you can make it taste like cherries or you can make it taste like a banana or, you know, whatever. You know, and for women, you know, when you're given a blow a blow job, uh, moisture is your friend as well. Some of you, you know, have dry mouth. You know, you don't produce enough spit and therefore, you know, you're it's not lubricating him, you know, enough where, you know, so it's kind of dry and, you know, uncomfortable. And guess what? You know, some of you women out there also, you know, maybe your hang up about, you know, performing a blowjob is it's too salty, you know, and it tastes too bitter, right? You know, of course, that may be, you know, because he drinks a lot of coffee or something. So flavored lube helps you as well in providing, you know, some good moisture, you know, making it, you know, a lot easier, helping to increase pleasure but also giving you flavor, you know, to use or to, you know, go through. So, you know, it's not so salty and bitter, you know, so you can make him, you know, taste like cherries, like you're sucking a cherry or you're sucking on a banana or, you know, a watermelon, you know, whatever flavor it is that you like. Lubrication and moisture is your friend. And by the way, even outside of oral sex, during penetration, moisture and lubrication is your friend, you know, and don't forget to add variety. Don't just go and stick to one move uh, the entire time. You want to be able to create a variety of sensations, changing it up. Like guys, we can go in circles, squares, we can do patterns, you know, we can do a B-shape, you know, pattern and go forward and reverse. I mean, yes, guys have a lot more options and a lot more things to work with. You no, know, but for women, you know, variety, adding a hand, you know, while you're sucking or, you know, taking the hand off, you know, changing, maybe twisting your head a little bit while you're going down and, you know, changing up the speed, changing up the suction, you know, adding, you know, different, you know, feelings and sensations is a great way uh, to perform oral sex and, you know, ensure that he gets, you know, quite a bit out of it. You know, and don't be afraid to give your partner direction if he's, if he or she is, is doing something that is, you know, feeling really great for you, you know, and, you know, you're really enjoying it and, you know, you want to get off and, you know, because you can't handle being teased anymore and this is, you know, what's going to get you off, give that direction, you know, make sure, you know, oh, the moment you don't like something you know, that you tell them, you know, so they stop doing it. Or the moment you really do like something, give a direction like, oh, yeah, right there, right there. Keep it up just like that, you know, 
is pretty easy to do. You know, or, oh, that's uncomfortable. You know, and that, that's pretty easy to do. And remember, you know, orgasm is not the goal here. You know, if we get into a, a situation where, you know, we believe that the end result, the goal, the orgasm, you know, we're anticipating that, we believe that, we're putting pressure that we must have that orgasm or, hey, I must deliver that orgasm to my partner. You know, if you're the one constantly, you know, thinking about orgasming, you're, you know, you're interfering, you're not relaxing enough, you're, you know, cluttering your mind too much. And, you know, for the other partner, you got to realize that if you aren't able to bring your partner to an orgasm, that's not a bad thing necessarily. It just means that they need something else. You know, um, you know, especially if you're doing oral sex, they may need that penetration. You know, some women can only get off, uh, you know, during penetration, some only during oral sex. You know, it, it's not, uh, you know, a, you know, a big deal, but oral sex can help, you know, make it so that she does orgasm, you know, much bigger and, you know, faster during penetration. You know, and for women, you know, Sometimes it's hard for you to keep a nice steady pace, you know, uh, during a blowjob, you know, and are going really fast during a blowjob for a long period of time. You know, your jaw may, you know, get like locked jaw, you know, and stuff. And then you may feel like, you know, you're a failure because you didn't make them come in your mouth. And therefore you don't want to do it again because you feel like you're a failure. No, it's all about in the end. Did you deliver pleasure and was it satisfying? You know, because you don't know if maybe your partner, you know, um, in reality may have just masturbated themselves, you know, um, not that long ago and not enough time has passed in order for them to be able to get off again. And, you know, if you're not talking about it, you don't discuss your masturbation habits. Your partner may just be concealing the fact that they just recently masturbated and they need more time before they can actually do it again, but they know that you, you know, are horny and you need to get off. And so they're going through, you know, and uh, with sex, you know, oral or penetration because they know you need it and they're just covering up the fact that, you know, they just took care of it themselves. You know, so you got to realize that orgasm is not the main goal. If you just focus on making it fun and pleasurable, the orgasm will just be the natural side effect. And so those are some of the, you know, tips and advice that I would have for you uh, when you're going through and getting more and more into oral sex. With that all said, there are also things that you need to think about as far as tips and all of that for how to create a great relationship. And there are some general things uh, that you can do here. You know, for instance, always assume the best. There are a lot of relationships out there in which, you know, one person always assumes the worst or always goes off to take things in the worst possible context or worst possible light. And they want to go through and act or think of things as, you know, being negative. 
You know, for instance, if someone is trying to give you feedback or talk about their relationship and you go off and you automatically assume that they're calling you some horrible person or that you're bad in the relationship, you know, versus, hey, they're just trying to communicate their feelings. And maybe there are things uh, that you're doing uh, that, you know, is negatively affecting the relationship. Okay. Yes. You know, that goes on, but you know, you shouldn't, you know, assume the worst. You shouldn't assume the worst intentions or you shouldn't, you know, try and go off and find ways to take things in the most negative light. Instead, what you should do is, you know, when your partner is communicating with you or doing something or whatever, you know, try to assume the best in them. And by the way, why is it that we get into, you know, the relationships, we get married, we have kids, and we still want to assume the worst about our partner. We always want to assume the worst about the other person. When you do that and assuming the worst about, you know, your spouse, it reflects more about your own insecurities and your own negative thinking process than it does about them. Right? So stop assuming the worst about the person in your life. Also, notice when you're projecting. You know, projecting is taking something that you do and attributing it to your partner and or noticing when your partner is doing something and projecting that as if you are. You got to understand projection, and when projection happens, it's usually an indication that there is some emotional conflict or problem uh, that is accumulating, and that it is a situation in which you know you need to sit down and have a conversation. You know, hear the other person out, and then have them hear you out. You know, being able to go through and understand when you know you're you know, projecting on the other person's projecting. And by the way, if you're always assuming the worst about somebody, chances are you're also projecting onto them things of that you are doing or you're projecting, you know, something from somebody else. You know, you had a bad interaction with somebody else and now you're projecting that onto your partner. And also notice uh, when you're doing uh, projecting or when your partner's doing projecting and then take that as a sign that you need to sit down and have a conversation and, you know, but before you have that conversation, you know, take some time to think it out, you know, to really think out where, what's going on and, you know, everything, you know, because you don't want to unload and, you know, you know, really take your partner to task. You want to be able to have, you know, a good, uh, productive conversation. All right. Another thing, stop shooting each other. And what I mean by that is stop going, well, you should just know. You should have just realized you that to do this, you should be able to read my mind. All right. Stop doing that. You know, there isn't a should, you know, in the relationship. Oh, this should just be automatic, you know? No, it, it, you don't do that. If there is something that you think the other person needs to be doing that they're not doing or a problem that they, you know, are unaware of that you think they should just know, stop thinking that they should just know and start thinking about having a conversation or, you know, just communicate it. You know, he should just know what I like in bed. 
he should just know what things uh, annoy me. You know, no, especially since that changes, you know, over time. Or she should just know, you know, that I need this. No, people shouldn't just know anything. You got to communicate. When you're trying to go off and saying someone should X, what you're doing is saying that you shouldn't have to communicate. You know, you're too lazy to communicate, and therefore you're trying to project your failure as a communicator, your failure to communicate, and you're trying to project that as a negative on somebody else. All right? So stop shooting each other. Another thing, you know, um, shut up and listen, right? You know, don't be the one to go off and constantly just, you know, motor mouthing everything through it, especially if you're trying to talk about a problem in the relationship or something you feel is being neglected. You have to actually give the other person time to talk and process. And if you're coming to them to talk about a problem, you know, you need to, you know, listen to their response. You know, you know, there's this old saying, you got two ears and one mouth. You should be trying to listen twice as much as speaking. You know, and so going through here, you know, some of you, you know, are just so, I got to win this argument. I got to, you know, um, make sure I get my point across that, you know, you, you don't ever take uh, into account or ever take the time to listen to your partner's feelings. And so you do need to spend some time, you know, being quiet so the other person can talk. And, you know, if you go through and take a look at disc personalities, you got to understand how the other person is. You know, for instance, you know, I'm a very high D, you know, person with, you know, some, you know, I in it. You know, uh, high D is a very dominant, forceful, very you know, take charge, you know, kind of a, you know, shoot ready aim, or shoot aim ready, you know, uh, type of person where I, I just want to try and get, you know, straight to the point or, you know, uh, these long explanations are like, okay, okay, you're going into too much detail, you know, but I do also have, you know, some high C tendency. So there are certain areas where I don't need so much detail. I just need the basics and make a decision. Other things, okay, I need to actually, you know, depending on the complexity, you know, need some more information. But some of you out there, you know, are not the task-oriented. The high D, high C personality is the, you know, very, you know, task-oriented, less people. Just give me, you know, straight to the information that I need. I don't need all the backstory and all the filler you know, I, I just need this set of information. And if you drag on too long, oh my God, I, you know, I'm, you know, going to cut you off and go, okay, okay, I got it. Right. Now, I know that because of that, because I've done the disc profile, that I need to, you know, put more intentionality into being more patient and listening as the person gets to the point. Because the other personalities is a high eye. They're the life of the party. They're the ones that can talk on and on forever and never shut up. Right? And, you know, then you got the high, um, 
you know, high S personalities. They're the shy, the bashful, the ones who take forever to open up and get into the conversation. And so you need to understand, you know, your disc profile. You know, um, there are other personality uh, type profiles out there. I just find DISC uh, to be one of the better ones or the more useful ones. But you need to go off and understand that so that you can go through and go, okay, I'm this type of personality. I need to make sure that I'm quiet and I listen actively when the other person is talking. And I understand that other person's personality. So I have a general idea of how long it's going to take them of talking to get to the point, right? Now, you know, you got to partner up. You know, life is going to get crazy at times. You know, that is a a reality, especially if you have kids. You know, life is going to get crazy, you know. You know, you got to take, you know, uh, make sure that the kids are doing their schoolwork, after school activities, kids sports. There's, you know, you going to work. There's you maybe doing a side hustle after work. There's, you know, you trying to, you know, make sure that you maintain, you know, some kind of social life. And then there's, you know, the house, you know, it it needs to be picked up. It's not going to clean itself. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Life is going to get crazy. And, you know, too crazy for only one of you to do. You know, one of the things about, you know, marriage and relationships, you know, um, from a societal standpoint, I mean, we could talk into the history of how it all, you know, started, how we went from, you know, um, you know, just sleeping around, you know, where guys, you know, we just go through, plant our seed and move on and women, you know, do all the child rearing, you know, and all of that to, you know, being in a relationship is, you know, the, you know, division of labor, you know, as you can say, in the household, you know, to be there because there's too much in, to do in life for any one person to handle. But if you partner up, you know, and coordinate and communicate and all of that, you can manage to get everything done in a less stressful way, in a less stressful, you know, uh, manner. And so, you know, partner up, especially during times when things get crazier. I mean, there's always going to be a season in which there is more going on. You know, summertime is, you know, tends to be more crazier and hectic schedule than, say, winter. Because in the wintertime, you're mostly going to just be inside. You know, you're not spending all that time outside. You know, but, but summertime, you know, now here's where you are getting out of the house, and there's a lot more activity. So partner up. And as far as partnering up, create shared calendars, you know, and shared uh, goal calendars. And so one of the things uh, that I like to use uh, in my household is Kazi. You know, it's a great, you know, family organizer. You all get to have your own personal calendar, you know, whether you use, you know, uh, Outlook, Gmail, or whatever. Right. And then you can set it to feed and display in Kazi. And so when you go through and you take a look at everything's going on, you got one place in which you can see, you know, your family's calendar. And then therefore you can see where, you know, what everybody has going on. And then you can use it to plan for, you know, uh, family events when everybody has a free moment. 
more, you can see what everyone has going on so that you can plan your day, you know, around that to maximize efficiency without going, okay, I'm going to do this, do this activity now, this activity later. Oh crap. I didn't realize that my partner had already planned or scheduled this, or I forgot about the kids, you know, needing to go to, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, whatever. It also provides, you know, a to-do list. And then, you know, you can set up a list of all the things that need to be done. And then, you know, you and your partner, you know, when you have free time or free moment, or, you know, you get to the point where you set aside to do the to-do list, you know, you go into the activities to do, and then you reassign it from the general to-do list into that specific person's to-do list. It's also great, you know, for meal planning, you know, and creating a recipe box, you know, where you can go online, download the recipe and the instructions, and then quickly do meal planning, which saves you a lot of money if you're shopping specifically for meals versus, you know, just randomly, you know, picking out stuff that you'll mix and match, you know, later. So having a place where you can create, you know, um, you know, a way to, you know, organize, you know, the to-do list and the calendars and, you know, uh, the whole family into one spot where everyone has access to see it, you know, is going to help, you know, have an efficient, you know, uh, operation of your household and being able to accomplish everything that you need to get accomplished, which the feeling of accomplishment is going to, you know, Reduce a lot of stress. There's nothing more stressful than, you know, feeling like you have a million things to do and you're not seeing anything getting done. And you do need to prioritize intimacy in the relationship. You need to prioritize both physical and emotional intimacy. And it will be hard, you know, to do that, you know, during times when things are chaotic. But sometimes maybe you have to take a look and go, okay, the dishes can wait. You know, I need to spend some time, you know, uh, with my spouse, you know, working on a relationship or, you know, um, you know, or, hey, you know, we need to relieve stress. You know, let's go to the bedroom and have a lot of fun. You know, however you want to think about it, you do got to prioritize uh, the relationship and intimacy, uh, you know, in the relationship emotionally and physically. You know, you got to proactively check in with your spouse, you know, uh, you got to proactively check in. And what I mean by that is, you know, you don't have, you know, the distractions. You set aside some time uh, to spend uh, with your spouse where you put the phones away, the tablets, the electronics, you turn off the TV, you know, and you actively check in where your spouse is the only thing you're focused on is the only person to be focused on. You know, the idea that people are going out on date nights and then they spend their date nights, you know, constantly on their phone, sending text messages, updating statuses on social media, checking out what everyone else is posting. You know, that's not a quality relationship. You know, that's not, you know, actually doing a date night. It's you just being in physical proximity to each other while you're doing your own thing. And so you do need to go through and proactively check in with your spouse, you know, and, you know, kind of get an update. How are things going? 
what you know is it that you're wanting to do or accomplish you know how are you feeling you know that type of thing you know check in and take time to see them there comes a point when we're all looking at you know a, a projection or a memory of the person and not who they are in that moment you know and so you know it gets very easy to go through and you know, think about the person, you know, as they were when you first met and first started dating, you know, that you have, you know, a romanticized view of them, you know, as, you know, uh, thinking of them now as, you know, they were then, rather than seeing, you know, who they've become now over the years, you know, and so if you're not really going through and you know, actually looking at them for who they are in this particular moment, you know, what you're doing is going to be off. You know, you remember a time when they really liked, you know, X or their favorite thing was X and you haven't checked in in a while and now you find out that, you know, they outgrew that. You know, know, that's no longer anything that they're interested in. That was just a phase. You know, you got to... Stop romanticizing about the past them and take time to see who they are now, who they've become, who they've developed into. You know, has their personality changed? You know, we become our experiences. You know, as we go through life, you know, and we gain life experiences, we test out things and we learn from our successes and we learn more from our failures and all of that, we change as people. We evolve over time. I mean, there's a reason why people always go uh, on and talk about, if I knew then what I know now, here's what I would have done differently. Well, now that you do know what you know now, what you do going forward in the future is going to change. It's always going to be adjusting. You know, and are you taking the time to see who your partners become, you know, versus constantly looking at them for who they used to be. And if your partner also used to be someone who wasn't really all that great, maybe they were irresponsible, you know, financially, maybe, you know, they were all about, you know, having fun and, you know, you think about, you know, them as they were and you go, man, they're just not as fun as they were. This is who they were, you know, or, hey, man, they... You know, they're so irresponsible. You're still beating up your partner about something they did five, six, ten years ago when they were a completely different person than who they are now. You're not giving them a chance to show that, you know, what they've changed into if they started off irresponsible and became responsible and and vice versa. Let's say they were a responsible person in the past and they're being very irresponsible, but you're still seeing them as who they used to be. You know, that responsible person and you're, and because you have those blinders on, you're not seeing the problems that are developing because they've become irresponsible, you know, and that's going to build up in the relationship. So you need to take time to stop, you know, looking at them through the lens of the past and check in just you know and take note of who they are today you know so that is you know some of the you know highlights or overviews of you know some things uh, that you should be keeping in mind 
for developing and creating a great relationship. Okay, so that's it uh, for this episode. I'd like to thank you so much uh, for your time and attention. I am greatly humbled every time I produce an episode and see how many of you are you know, actively listening and enjoy the show. Thank you so much, and I will be back again soon.